Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, church. You are all very beautiful. Thank you, my love. <laughs> um, I have titled this message, A Serious Talk to Prevent Decay. My husband did such an... I was actually supposed to preach last week. So I said to my husband, I don't want to preach. I don't want to intro the book of Zephaniah. Like, uh-uh, I'm not up for that, thank you. You can do that preach, and then I'll take next week, because then I can just do the fluffy, yummy stuff of the book. And then I read through Zephaniah 1, and I'm like, Lord, this is not fluffy and yummy at all. <laughs> um... I don't know about you, but my favorite scripture in Zephaniah is Zephaniah 3 verse 17. That's where I dwell in the book of Zephaniah. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That scripture has meant so much to me. In my life, and I'm like, Lord, why can I not tra- preach on chapter 3? Like, I like chapter 3, verse 17 specifically. And I don't know, but the Lord, in His wisdom, decided that today I need to speak on chapter 1. And God has revealed so much of my horribleness and my weakness and everything that is so bad about me in this week to me in a very loving way, and, I, and I'll explain it to you today. Um, just before we carry on, I had a, this morning I sat down to do my makeup, and I've got this little round mirror, and I looked in my little round mirror, and it was very hazy. And I was like, Vatsakant, which child had a pot of Vaseline? Because there was Vaseline all over this mirror. So I had to get up and clean the mirror And try and get the Vaseline off. And I put it down. And I felt God say, that is what I want to do for my church this morning. I want to clean the mirror so that they can take a good, hard look at themselves. So with that being said, we are going to read um, Zephaniah 1. I've read it so many times this week and it's still just. So we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 18. It's quite a chunky piece. It will come up in the back if you can just read with me. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. A sacrifice. The Lord, sorry, the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated His guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials, and the king's sons, and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. I know it's depressing, guys. Let's just keep going. Wail, O inhabitants of mortar, for all the traders are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men 
who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. A mighty man cries aloud there. If you thought it didn't get worse, just keep on going. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end, he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. And we also, oh, thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Amen. We feel so good now. No. That is definitely not how I felt when I read that. For those who don't know me well, um, you know we often have to say, these are my weaknesses and these are my strengths. If you've ever been in corporate or anywhere, people are always challenging you to look at your weaknesses and your strengths. So one of my greatest weaknesses that always comes up at the top of my list, and it's something that I always have to work at, is that I am a people pleaser. I don't like to disappoint people. I don't like to, for you not to like me. I don't like to confront you when you are in the wrong. I'm just, I like, I like for it to be nice between us. Let's just be friends. Okay, so I am a people pleaser. That, that side of me has been really good for me when it has come to my relationship with God. Because me being a people pleaser, I don't know how you want to put it, but it makes me kind of a God pleaser as well. Like, I was like, Lord, I don't ever ever, ever, ever want you to have to speak to me like that. Like, why? Why would I go there? <laughs> why would I even want to hear these words? I just want to be in chapter 3, verse 17. That's, what, that's how I want you to speak to me. That's what I want to hear from you. That's how much I want to please you. Which then left me with this question, why this heaviness, Lord? Why this heavy prophecy? So this prophecy was God addressing the sin of Judah. That's basically what he's trying to do. Yeah. I said, why the heavy, Lord? I don't understand. Now, couldn't you just, uh, couldn't you use that, that scripture? Um, Quiet them with your love and rejoice over them with gladness and in that way deal with their sin. Like, I mean, that's a much better way to deal with sin, in my opinion. And I felt God say to me, it's not a heavy, it's a serious. And he reminded me of these two things. So my dad is sitting here in the second row. I think I have the most amazing dad on the planet. I had the kind of relationship with my dad and still have the kind of relationship with my dad where we were not the children that were seen and not heard. I think me standing up here gives you a pretty good picture of that. 
we could, I could go to my dad and say, Dad, what you said and did there really hurt me. And my dad would repent and say, I'm so sorry. Let's talk. Like he's that kind of dad. He was the kind of dad that would paint my room with me and do nice stuff with me and guide me and pray with me and let's think about your future. And like he really only wanted the best for me. But I'm telling you, there were a couple of times as a daughter in his house where I sat down, I kept quiet, and I listened. Because he had that look on his face, he had that tone of voice with me. Of, you listen to me now because I'm your father and you are my daughter. It was that tone. It was that serious. The other thing God reminded me of was the other day we were sitting in, um, we were sitting in Bible study that we have as a staff on a Tuesday morning. We do a little bit of theology on a Tuesday morning together. And um, Lainey often asks us to read scripture. So I read my scripture, and my husband leans over. He says to me, what Bible are you reading? And I'm like, the NIV. He's like, why? I'm like, because I can He's like, but we read the ESV in this church. And I'm like, yeah, but I like the NIV. He says, I don't care. We have asked the church to read the ESV Bible, and you come to Bible study and you read the NIV. And I was actually quite taken aback in the moment because he was so stern about it. And I was quite offended, if I had to be honest. And I walked away and I'm like, and I just felt God say to me, just honor him. Read the ESV. What's the problem? It was that, it was such a conviction for Johan that there was that seriousness and that, just do it. It's that time as a wife, you praat nie terug nie, jy net, ja, okay. <laughs> well, that's how I felt. I, was, I felt that it was brought with such conviction. You see, when we read Zephaniah 1, the other thing that really got me is like, these are, this is Jesus' beloved nation. I mean, this is not like the ungodly, you know, those ungodly people who don't know Jesus. He speaks like this to the children that he loves. He's beloved Judah, tribe of Judah. He speaks like that to them. So that, that just puts me in a place like, well, I'm your child, Lord. So which means sometimes you're going to have to speak to me like this. And I don't like that. And again, God reminded me of this, <laughs> this parenting moment in my life. So we had grace. We were still living in Cape Town. We only had one child at that stage. And every morning of my life, it was like, sticking needles in my eyes to get that child to brush her teeth. I would sing songs. I would pretend to, oh, let's, let's brush, let's, let's find all the little men in your teeth and let's catch them and, you know, all those little things that we do. And this child would just scream and scream and throw tantrums to the point where I had to take her to the bathroom and give her discipline and it was exhausting. And I remember the one morning I took her to school. I said to her teacher, I'm so grateful to just hand this child over to you. I cannot. 
cannot do another day of her not brushing her teeth. And I remember driving home, and I was weeping. I mean, that a mother can weep like that, that a child cannot brush her teeth. It's just, it was ugly crying. And I just said to God, Lord, please help me. Please just give me something to let this child understand the importance of brushing her teeth. And so clearly God said to me, Google rotten teeth. Okay. I was in two minds whether I should show you this, but it drives a point. Okay, JP? Okay. That is what I found. So I printed them out. I think I even laminated them nicely so that they, were, they looked nice. And the next morning when she threw her little tantrum, I was very calm. I was like, come, Gracie, come sit with Mama. Come. Mommy wants to show you something. And I took out my laminated pictures. I said, look at these teeth. And her eyes were like, I said, do you know why these people's teeth look like this? I said, because they don't brush their teeth. I left out the part that it might be meth and cat and all the drugs that they might have been on. I might use these pictures now when she becomes a teenager to get that message across. But I said to her, you know what? These people didn't want to brush their teeth. And this is what their teeth ended up looking like. Guys, that child brushed her teeth with no. Every sing- Since then, every single day she's brushed her teeth. Sometimes even three times a day. And when God reminded me of this story, he said to me, Why did you show her the worst possible picture? And I said, well, Lord, you told me to. He said, okay, I get that. But what was the method in your madness, in our madness for that that matter? Because I knew I had tried every other way, and she just would not listen. Like I tried the loving approach, I tried the giggling, I tried the game. I tried every other approach, and she just would not listen. I tried the, the, okay, let's discipline you. I tried every approach, and she just would not listen. I was so desperate for her to just do the right thing. Like, how can you not want to brush your teeth? And then God said to me, ultimately you did it because at the core of who you are, you love her and you don't want her to end up there. And the reality is, if she didn't brush her teeth for the next 30 years, that's what it would look like. It's just the reality of not doing something or doing something. And I felt God say to me, that is why I had to speak to my Judah in this way. Because at the core of me, I desperately needed them to see what they were heading to. I desperately needed them to see the decay. I desperately needed them to see the end picture. Because if they didn't stop, that is what they would look like. That is what they would become. And that is not my best for them. 
So understanding that and reading chapter 1, <laughs> this verse stood out for me. Verse 12. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And there's many things that God says in this chapter. But you look at the complacency, and then he says, you know what, you can have your wine farms and you won't drink the wine. And you can have your houses and you will never inhabit them. But it all starts with this complacency. I felt God wanted to address and show us the picture of decay that the sin of complacency will look like. See, it doesn't address the idol worship because that was there. We don't want to address the big stuff this morning. You know you shouldn't sleep with another man's wife. I mean, just don't. You know, you know we, we classify sin. But I felt God say, complacency will lead to great decay in our day and age. The Webster Dictionary says this, Complacency is a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try and make them better. You see, just like the tribe of Judah... We carry on living like we live. And we live in this place of, you know what? Um, the Lord is not that good to me. But he'll also not let ill come on me. Like, he loves me. I'm his daughter. We have to realize today, guys, if we keep on living in our complacent sin, there will be consequences. The areas that I felt God say, we are complacent in, that we have become satisfied with, satisfied, and areas that we are not trying to make it better. The first one I felt is our anger, our hurt, and our bitterness. We have become so satisfied with not dealing with that stuff. You know what? We shouldn't be satisfied. Satisfaction shouldn't come into that equation. You shouldn't be satisfied to stay hurt and to stay angry and to stay bitter. The second area... I felt was for married couples. We cannot become complacent in our marriages. You cannot look at your marriage and say, oh, I'm satisfied. We don't need anything better than this. No, 
realized this week, Johan and I are not kissing each other goodbye at the moment. And you know when you drive somewhere and you just drive and drive and you think, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Because you were so deep in thought. That is what complacency does. We drive and drive and drive and drive and all of a sudden we are somewhere and we think, how in the world did we get here? So I want to ask you that question about your marriage. How in the world did we get here? What little complacencies did we allow into our marriages? That it's now okay to, you know. I couldn't wait to make out, man, when we were dating. I couldn't wait to kiss those lips. It should still be that way. And honestly, my heart's desire is that sometimes I'm just too darn tired. But it's not an excuse. The other area I felt God push his finger on, and I'm not using this. Honestly, I went before God, guys. I'm not using this because I'm in this area, era of my life. I really felt God highlight these things. Is our parenting. You know, I just want to fall over when parents tell me, yeah, you know what? We're having a party at our house for our teenagers so that they just can stay home and get drunk so that they don't have to drive. And I'm like, what? Near. Complacency. It's just easier. Let's just get satisfied with the situation. We don't have to make it better. Let's not be parents who say, please don't drink. You see, the problem here is we are not painting the right picture. The worst picture of that is you teach your child that it's okay to get get drunk and then one day they become a drunken wife or drunken husband and they become a drunken whatever and they lose everything. That is the picture that we need to show our children. But instead, we give them complacency. I'm not meaning to offend anyone. Please, Lord, help me not to offend anyone. And the last area I felt God say was, particularly for the single people, don't become complacent in your selfishness. Be considerate. Consider those around you because one day when you get married, you're going to have to consider someone for the rest of your life. And it is not easy. Practice to be considerate. Practice to prefer. Practice to be sacrificial in your friendships. What what does God expect of us today? You know, it it took one king, King Josiah, to be obedient to the prophecy that God gave in Zephaniah 1. To take up the law and say, okay, we're going to start looking at this again. 
we are going to start living well again. And you know, we love this scripture, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that word royal means we are of kingly nature. When you are of kingly nature, guys, yes, you get the Egyptian cotton and the little servants when you ring the bell and the lovely food and the best goblets and all that stuff. You get that. But you also get the responsibility of making very hard decisions for a nation that is under your control. It is tough to take a nation who is so ungodly because of a stupid king who made stupid decisions and say, guys, we are going to hear the word of the Lord and we are going to make the right decisions. We love to say that we have authority in Jesus. Well, then take your kingly authority this morning and decide against complacency. Decide this morning. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what your situation is. I know that I have had to repent a million times this week for my heart attitude. Especially for stuff that I felt towards my husband this week. I had to repent of those things and say, Lord, I will not become complacent in my marriage. I will fight harder again. I will do more again. When you've got five children, it's hard to be more than a wife than a mother. I will do that again. So where are you this morning? What complacency is God looking at today? Is it your children? Is it your marriage? Maybe it's just your relationship with Jesus. He won't do me harm. He won't do me ill. He's just kind of there. No, guys. Is it your selfishness that you have become complacent in? I wonder if we can close our eyes. What I don't want you to hear this morning is that Jesus does not love you. And that is why he speaks to us like this. What I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus loves you so much that he would rather show you where you are going to end up than let you end up there. Through everything that God said in Zephaniah 1, all he wanted was for them to repent and turn away from their sin. That is why he showed them the ugliness of what they can face. Not because he wanted for that to happen to them, but because 
He just wanted them to walk away from that, from those consequences. It's 5 to 11. We don't have to drag this out. I want to ask you if you know that God is pushing on your heart this morning that you need to come and repent for something. If you need to take your husband or your wife by the hand and look them in the eye and say sorry, do that. If you need to change your way of parenting today, if you have to change your selfish nature today, whatever that looks like for you, Be the king that he's called you to be and make the hard decisions today.